I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And we should be working. working. God damn it. It's one, two, (laughs) say it. (laughs) All right. I'm Critter. I'm Jace. And And we we should should be be working. working. I fucking hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Those calculators for how much meetings cost are always fun to start calculating in your head. They're terrifying. Really? Our CEO one time sent around a big thing about meetings. He was just saying, saying take pride in, in ending meetings early and, you know, like try really hard to schedule less meetings and spend less time in meetings and stuff. And yeah, I don't, have we ever talked about that? Does this ring any bells for you? I don't think so. No. Oh, I read that and I thought it was really interesting because like I realized that I actually feel like a failure if I create a meeting and it ends early. You know, I feel like I... Really? Yeah. I feel like I didn't do a good enough job of like sparking awesome insightful discussion or like asking the right questions or preparing enough or something when really that's actually a good thing you know you're saving the company money yeah what about what about super efficient meetings though like i mean that's kind of what you've been preaching for months now isn't it more like concise and like everybody kind of has an agenda knows what is being talked about kind of gets to the point and then get out yeah, I mean, yeah, and, like, there are some things, like, you know, stand-up, I, I always feel like should be as fast as, as it can without losing value and stuff, but, so, for example, if I schedule, like, an hour-long meeting to discuss something, and after half an hour, we're getting awkward silences, and, you know, nobody really has anything else to say, and it sort of just feels like the energy's gone, then I should, according to that email at least, I should view that as a good thing because I'm saving the company a half hour uh, times however many people are on the meeting if we end it there. But I feel like, oh no, what have I done? I didn't prepare enough for this meeting. You know, we had we should have been able to go the full hour and, and made a lot of value out of it. But because I screwed up, we didn't, weren't able to do that or something. So yeah, I don't know why I've always felt like that. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I guess that doesn't really make any sense because you're not bringing an hour of content with you. You're, you're, you're bringing very little content and hoping that the discussion will fill out the space yeah. which i mean it's always a gamble right right yeah and like i i get it that it's it's really stupid to have that feeling and then try to make it last longer you know like that that makes even less sense of like it feels right, like a meeting's done but we have time so let's keep talking like that's the worst, yeah, I mean, worst thing you do I, yeah people uh i hate that so much freaking just in one of our weekly meetings that I have and started attending again. Um, and nothing against the people that do it or enjoy it or whatever. But like at the end of the first one I came back to, it was just like, okay, what is this about? <laughs> like the last five minutes or last 10 to five, five to 10 minutes were like just awkward silence. And then somebody was just like, oh, well then so-and-so tell a joke. And then that's become uh. like a thing of that meeting now is just like some stupid corny joke to make everybody in a lighter mood but like as soon as they said that i left the meeting i don't even know what the joke was i was like (laughs) i'm not here for this i have like other work that's more important to actually do i need to go do that yeah sorry yeah but then like but then we had that meeting again this week and and they opened up with the joke it's just like oh well now i can't escape that fucking pointless thing that is gonna waste 10 minutes of everybody's time to get them in a better mood supposedly so that we can talk about work and stuff that needs to be fixed, like I, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure that ten minutes would have been better used to to talk about stuff. You struck a nerve for me because I think of of all ways to warm people up, I think like a bad joke is probably the worst because oh yeah, nobody sure. ever laughs at. It. Like it's not funny; it's just awkward because you say it and then you wait for like the response, but nobody responds. It's not funny because it's a bad joke, you know. So it's, well, this is, this is also where like. I feel empathy and kindness kind of ruin things for me as well as like at some point he told a joke or said he was going to tell a joke and then was encouraged and then mm-hmm. told the joke and not everybody liked it clearly because you know, he he's not at the top of the karma boards. So not everybody enjoyed it, but now it's a staple for a thing that is a mandatory meeting for everybody and that, mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's it's just a weird situation for him and it doesn't actually affect me or anything but it's just one of those annoyances it's just like all right well i'm going to sit there for half an hour and leave and get my attendance points do you but okay so it's like how much of uh 
So I, I feel like I'm coming at this from a weird angle because I, I also tend to enjoy meetings more than most people. Like I really enjoy just like having a discussion with other people, you know, and talking about something that's semi-interesting with other people who are kind oh, of I'm down with that too. I, I don't know those meetings. I I haven't been a part of those meetings in a very long time. <laughs> yeah. So what's what where's the which part of it is missing for you? The you being interested? Is that the part? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I barely have interest going to this meeting that I haven't been a part of for the past two and a half years. And then my first time back is kind of just like railroaded because it's all just formal stuff and we're not talking about anything that I thought we were going to talk about or anything like that. So it's just like, all right, I'm already just not really paying attention and working while other people are talking about stuff that is related to me technically, but not going to affect me for at least months down, like many, many months, if at all. So are there topic, are there non code topics that you could talk about in a meeting that you would be really interested in work related stuff? That's not code. Yeah. Process. I mean, okay. we, we talk about process a lot and I mean, we we do it in like the, our, our Friday calls, which is the one that I do enjoy, but have been missing yeah. because, you know, client work and stuff. So there's also that offset happening where like I'm losing, I'm losing attendance at the meeting that, you know, I've, I've fully enjoyed since inception. And then I'm like going in and making time for this other call that is just kind of like, well, all right, put in a, mm. a newsletter maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, so I will say that's one, I haven't really thought about that in a while. That's like a, a a problem that I think in a lot of ways is unique to agencies, which is like clients can't see your internal calendar, so they just kind of schedule stuff whenever. And if it's booked on top of an internal meeting, then you can either stop going to the internal meeting or you can like be the guy who's like, I'm sorry, this time isn't going to work for me. I'm going to need you to reschedule all 12 people, even though that's going to really well, suck. That's not, I mean... Uh, they're, they're, uh, yeah, there's two sides to that as well. I, I, I can see it from both sides on that one. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know where I was going with that either. Two I'm sides. sorry. I'm getting pinged just constantly. And it's <laughs> really annoying. Production's down. You better just talk to me about yeah. it. You should be working. All right. I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I've, I've, I've always felt more comfortable being a stickler about it. Like, I've definitely been scheduled for client calls and that booked over a call like an internal call that was not mandatory but was something i was looking forward to and i would just be like i can't make it you know have a conflict and so many people just think well client calls are you know king you can't you can't get out of them client booked it i gotta be there i think well i think you you earn a lot of cloud's not the word what was the word i'm looking for word respect trust yeah yeah. something like yeah yeah you, you build that um Psychological safety and stuff with with the client. If you're there all the time and they know you're present, even if you're not speaking and stuff, yeah. like okay, there, yeah. there's just something about being there all the time. But e- e- even with that said, I have like, oh well, I'm gonna miss a stand up. Here's my last twenty four, next twenty four, any blockers type of thing, and just send that over in Slack. Um, I've definitely done that when I have like appointments and stuff. So right, yeah, there I mean, option. I'm not saying to miss it though. I'm just saying. Tell me you need to reschedule. I think people feel so uncomfortable telling client, I need you to reschedule this. Oh, yeah. Usually, uh, I mean, it's rare that I'm the, like, linchpin of a meeting. <laughs> so, it, usually I can just, like, be like, all right, well, I'm not I'm not going to be able to make it. Could you take notes or give me the highlights or let me know if anything pertains to me in particular? You know, those types of things. But mm-hmm. I, I haven't really been... I don't think I've missed out too much on anything because of that. I've uh, I've been thinking, so ever since my calendar got a little bit crazy, not, not crazy by some people's standards, but, you know, crazier than I would like, um, I've been experimenting with, you know, if, if somebody held a gun to my head and said, you have to decline 50% of the meetings you currently have accepted, I wonder how much bad stuff would happen. You know what I mean? Nothing. You think You think the average person could get out of half of their meetings and everything would be okay? Absolutely. You think you could? I could get out of ninety percent of my meetings right now, and everything would be fine. <laughs> so why don't Truthfully. you do that? Well, because the, it's showing face. It's it's expected of me to show up and then contribute to all these conversations, even though they're talking about stuff that I haven't even touched or looked at or read or anything in like 
eight months because we handed it off to another team and they've been working on it and they own it now. But apparently I still have to be a part of it for the discussions because I touched it at one time. So it mm-hmm. like those types of meetings were just like, all right, I wish there was a way to actually mute teams overall. Just like, all right, shut up meeting. I'm just going to work and pretend like I was there. Yeah. If somebody could invent an AI, like some sort of AI tool that would that would allow you to not listen to a meeting and it would just listen to the meeting for you and then it would unmute the meeting whenever it detected that somebody was talking about something that was relevant to you, that would just be amazing. It'd be like a transcript bot and then as soon as it sees your name, it'll read you, read back the transcript of like the full question so you have like yeah. the context too. There you yeah, go. it could just listen to you or you could like tell it specific keywords to listen to. You know, like if you own yeah. one one tool, then you could listen for the name of the tool. Wow, I'm super into this idea right now. I think uh, I think I could have saved that, myself about two and a half hours this morning with this. For sure, yeah. I mean, something like that would I I would work through every meeting, like every <laughs> single one of them. I think this is probably my one on one. That would be awesome. The my manager will just be talking at the screen until they ask the right questions. The the bot picks up so that I hear uh, it, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, no, here, yeah, yeah. I'll answer that." Like, Hold on, let me read. Re- let me read what you just said. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's probably super toxic. This whole this whole discussion, and if you're if you're in a meeting, well, I think should, we're yeah, yeah, you should just not be in that. We're meeting. speaking hyperbole right now. Just, I probably we're, we're running with a terrible idea. Yeah. Although, I mean, honestly, like, you know, like, the, the the right answer is that if there's a meeting that you don't need to listen to the whole thing, then you shouldn't be in the meeting. But the real answer, I think, is there are some meetings that you have to be there for some political reason or something, but it's a waste of your time, and then it could actually be pretty valuable for that. I think, I think if I didn't work at an agency and I worked at a corporation, I'd be much more strict about my, my time and my meeting time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would be, I would be that guy that like we're just like no i'm not going to that meeting like, oh, it's mandatory like all right what part of it is mandatory for me <laughs> yeah what and well also what does mandatory really mean there's a lot of mandatory meetings yeah. that you're not going to be fired if you're not there true actually i don't i don't think there's been a mandatory meeting that i would have got fired if i didn't show up yeah does like, this exist seven years yeah, maybe years. maybe um the meeting where they were going to fire you that would be mandatory because if you don't show up, you get fired. <laughs> but if you do show up, you get fired too. Oh man, how do you avoid that? Just going PTO forever. Me and uh, me and our old buddy Adam had a had a thing about this. What was it? We, yeah, it was like um, <laughs> I remember because you know I have that thing where I block Slack for periods of time so that I can yeah. get work done. Uh, the idea was if you know you're going to get fired, just block Slack for like the next year. And, um, and, you know, like have some email for like, just basically make yourself unreachable. So there's no way they can fire you and just keep working <laughs> because when this you're remote, up, you can do that. So uh, that's a reason a fun question. How long do you think you could do your job or not do your job before someone noticed? Mm, define not do your job. Like you're just in Slack chatting, but nothing like work related. You're not like trying to solve any problems or anything you're just like hey guys how's it going oh yeah that sucks would i still go to one-on-ones yeah i guess you have all those right so yeah that would be the killer oh yeah you you were pretty much stuck so so maybe maybe the maybe the interesting question is like what's the bare minimum of work you could do and not get fired like indefinitely um i think i think i could probably get by with only doing one day of work a week if I you stacked, think so? Just like all meetings? Yeah, if I stacked all of my, uh, all my one-on-ones, so my one-on-ones are like really the main ones that, you know, if you don't, if you skip like two weeks of one-on-ones, then like there's problems, you know, what the heck's going on. Then you fail um, the class, you may as well drop it. Yeah, like that's the point at which <laughs> my manager is like, where the heck are you? And my reports are like reaching out to my manager and, you know, wondering what's happening. Um, but so, and there, there are a lot of other meetings that like I could get out of and it would raise an eyebrow but people probably wouldn't guess that i like wasn't working so yeah i bet if i if i stacked all of my one-on-ones and all of my like actually critical meetings into just a single day i could probably go for like a year maybe even more damn you think so i think so yeah that's ballsy like i was i was 
thinking about it, like, you know, for fun, be like, yeah, I could make it a year without anybody noticing. But if I didn't push code for a week, somebody would say something. I mean, yeah, like, like in your current position, yeah, for sure. But I think it's yeah. interesting to think about if you went to a new company, because in a new company, people expect, especially like a really... Like, if you rolled into to my team on Wayfair, like, it takes a long, long time to ramp up on that team with a bajillion tools you've never heard of before that were built in-house and, like, you know, all these different, whatever. Um, so, I, I could definitely see a situation where somebody spends two months working on their first ticket and has some, like, vaguely believable stand-up update about what they're learning each day and doesn't actually do any real work. Like, that could right. totally happen. I feel like that is happening with someone. Like I feel like when certain developers give their their stand ups, you're just like, you did nothing. Oh yeah, you, you ever yeah for sure. You ever notice that? Yeah, you're yeah. Just like, I know. Oh, you're, you totally made this story up. I've had to call people out on that before when it's you know like they say something will be done tomorrow, and then tomorrow they have a different kind of vague reason why it's not done, and the same thing the next day. Yeah, it's it's what happens when you call them out. Uh, so the there's one specific time I'm thinking of where the guy was just like, yeah, you got me. I've been really burned out, and I haven't been able to find motivation. So I, you know, I'm kind of stuck. He owned up to it. That's kind of nice, a little refreshing. Be like, yeah, I'm just, I'm fucking done, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's better than doubling down on the obvious lie. That's for sure. For sure, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't know that I've I've been burned. So I went through one period of being pretty burned out, like two ish years ago. Um, but I was never burned out to the extent of like making no progress for days or weeks at a time like I what caused what, like. what caused your burnout um so, so i don't know that i was ever really able to put my finger on it but i might have talked on the podcast before about how like the whole idea of asking pr- pretending that five years ago you asked yourself where do you want to be in five years and then comparing that to where you are now um uh-huh. and i i heard that and i thought about it and i realized that five years ago i was in the exact same place that i was now and I was just like, well, crap, <laughs> I have not progressed <laughs> in any meaningful way. Like, I'm doing the exact same work for literally the same client for five years and nothing meaningful has changed. Like, what the heck am I doing? That's like, you know, a huge, it's like 6% of my entire life I, I spent not really growing. Um, oh, maybe 6%. It could be a larger percentage. <laughs> It'll be like 2%. I'm definitely making it to 150. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Uh, so I think that was part of it. Um, I think that that was kind of what kicked it off. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that I was ever able to really. It set off maybe a four week period where I just I was just like grumpy and not passionate about anything. And, you know, like there was there was a time at at um that company where I was just in everything and I was like a member of every guild and I was leading all these calls and stuff and like demos and just everything. Uh, and then all of a sudden when this happened, I just cut out of everything i like handed off all of all of the things that i did and just did the bare minimum of project work for like a month until i started to to get it back i, don't know, I didn't really do anything special i just kind of waited it, it slowly came back around it was, it was a good weird. time at our company when you went quiet <laughs> i had some uh very interesting conversations with with people when that happened because you know like i was oh, yeah. i would basically say hey i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> because i'm burning out um can you please take it off my hands or recommend somebody else whatever um and so like half of the people that i talked to about that were like yeah i you know i went through something similar a year ago and you know like i wrote a lot about it or i talked to my manager about it or i changed this or that or like it's it's astonishing how common severe burnout is that nobody really talks about you know well because everybody feels like they're failing when you're burning out i mean that's how I felt. And it was just like, I'm fucking failing, even though I'm still doing the work and stuff. Is like, it, it, it was just, it never felt enough, like it was enough in whatever. I mean, I, I was dealing with a difficult client at the time. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I, we, we had a very tight deadline. And they're just like, oh, yeah, we'll just do the front end, like the last two sprints before launch. And it's just like, you mean fixing up the front end, right? And they're like, no, no, we're going to implement the front end you know, a month before launch. Mm-hmm. It was just like, what? I, no, what What are you talking about? And, and, <laughs> it like, and, and that was, that was like, that was my first day or well, the first day that I like was spun up on the project and was joining meetings and like contributed to a conversation. Uh-huh. So like maybe three, four days into that project. 
And they're just like, we, we have nothing in the front end. We, we don't have like bootstrap. We don't have their own, you know, in-house made anything. We don't have like any kind of tokens. It's not atomic in any way. Like there, there's just nothing. It, it's just raw CSS written in CSS files that make no sense and coordinate to nothing. It was, it was rough. So, so did you like, did you feel like what happened? Well, so it, it sucked because there was somebody with a, a load of seniority. Like they were at, they were at that company when they were still a startup. And then they like went through like all the transition to becoming like this big corporation and they're like global now and stuff. So he was like there from the beginning and he was one of like the top devs, but he was just on this team and he was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. And so like I butted heads with him immediately because he's like, we don't need it right now. It's not a priority if the back end doesn't work. And I'm like, what are you talking about? These can be <laughs> built in parallel and then we sync up in the middle. And so like, it was a weird back and forth. And then like, I, at the time I was just a developer and I, I didn't do really much like consulting or, you know, voicing my opinions and stuff. So it just became this battle every, every meeting. And then finally, like everybody got pulled in and it was like, it, it kind of blew out into a whole nother thing. And it escalated and escalated and escalated for a couple months at least. And, Towards towards the end of like all the escalation, I was just like, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna look for another job. I'm I'm fucking if I'm gonna get stuck on this client with this fucking piece of shit that doesn't wanna like cooperate so that we actually launch on time, then I'm out. I'm I'm done with all of this. And then finally people were just like, Oh, well maybe we should listen to Jace and mm-hmm. oh, we should really talk to this guy. Yeah, we should really work with him and try to get this put together. Like, all right. And I, I was literally the only front ender on that project including the client side like they gave me a couple people who used to do qa and they're like oh i would like to learn front end and then they gave me those people to teach (laughs) i remember this project now yeah that was fun that was fun watching that as an outsider but yeah well i mean yeah that that was the one that you know i had to fly to california every other week and all that bullshit too is there's just so many things about that why i'd rather just eat a bullet why the fuck am i here yeah that's one thing that's been really into this so like this is this is kind of a derail but uh one thing that, that i've always been fascinated by is like getting into the weeds of how these giant well-respected companies work like they're always a disaster nobody has it together you know nobody knows what that absolutely doing. there are so many products used by millions of people that are maintained by like three idiots you know they're yes. just like building random crap and and hoping it works again copying and pasting from stack overflow and like that's just how things work that's and, i mean that that's my uh, that, that's how i came up in in this industry is i worked for that that startup for like two years and they're just uh-huh. like you're the web guy and there's two other developers one of them being the cto and the other guy was like the core developer writing in like c sharp and then everything else like web related like sites and all of that apis and all that i was doing and they were just like yep this is the team and then they went and like (laughs) presented at TechCrunch disrupt in san francisco and stuff which is just an event for startups to kind of pitch their idea and you know get exposure uh and there's a competition and you win like a prize and stuff uh, if you get it but like i remember going to um well it was a superstar office back then but Phase two bot superstar blah, blah blah yeah but I was hanging out in that office with like my college mates and my teacher Bloom and stuff and we watched them present and while they're presenting they look like all official and like there's yeah. the official like other people like other people presenting and stuff I was like dude there's no way that like stuff anything that I worked on is gonna be there right it's just like what what the fuck <laughs> and then like sure enough the slides that I did they used and like it's, it's all my work in the background and it, it was horrible and I'm just like oh I shouldn't have used that shitty background like it's just all that kind of stuff right it, it, so like yeah. being in there and then that being the come up and then like you see that's the inception and in, like early years of the stuff and then now working for the agency, you work for or you get these projects with those types of clients that were that, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And then those people are still around. and You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, you should have been fired so long ago. But <laughs> yeah. they just couldn't. Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's it's so amazing. Like, I don't know how some of these companies survive for so long without just crumbling under the. Uh, and the, the interesting thing about it for me is uh a long time ago, I read this book, People Wear, that kind of like changed the course of my career. And one of the big parts about that book is like company or um, 
uh, projects never fail for technical issues. They only ever fail for people issues. Uh, and I think that's that's super true. Like, look at how many things are powered by just a mountain of garbage code and like stuff that's just yeah. duct taped together. Um, and they're well, fine. You know, they just keep going. And yet here we are, like arguing about you know code style and what language to use when it just doesn't make any difference. <laughs> I mean, it it kind of does. Right, because you're you're trying. I, don't think I mean, it's it's a drop in the bucket for sure, but at least the conversation is happening. Um, I, I doubt it'll ever be unified. It, well, it uh, doesn't matter because everybody's greedy and capitalism, and all that, and so everybody's going to like try to what corner does it the markets. So does it just matter for thing. your your feelings? Does it matter for developer happiness? Is that what you're saying? I would think so. I mean, it yeah, it'd be easier for even talking like the terminology and stuff and just all that stuff that bleeds over. It would, uh, yeah okay i don't i don't know i don't know what that means i mean like i i think the thing that i think is interesting about it is that we care so much you know like i i, I accept that picking a language that you like does make a meaningful effect on your happiness but the thing that i don't understand is how is it even possible to like a language you know like they're all just tools they do a job it doesn't matter what you pick you're going to be roughly as productive in anything give or take like one percent so i just ha having such I, a strong I mean, preference about this just seems like so, so odd and i don't know unproductive there, to me. There, there are certain ways well i think i think it comes down to how you memorize a language right and like the ease of that so like javascript i know pretty well and like it gets embedded in my memory pretty well but i've been doing javascript for 10 plus years now. So like it, and, and even going from like, um, what is it? ES six to, uh, or ES five to ES six syntax yeah. and stuff like that. It, it, it's totally doable. Like you're like, Oh, okay. So then that is that, that is that, but technically you can do that with any language, right? It's you're just getting like a, a transition chart of like this equals right. this, this equals this. Um, but then you have like function names and then, the the syntax of the language and stuff and how everything's written like camel case pascal case snake case blah blah, blah. like you, you just have all those different things so then you kind of just like it also depends on what you learn on i think but the way that i landed on javascript was that i did java and .NET um asp stuff then uh, taught myself PHP, then ended up in Ruby on Rails, which then I liked Ruby on Rails a ton. Or, well, I liked Ruby a ton. Rails, not so much. Um, and then I got a chance to work with uh, JavaScript, specifically using Node.js stuff mm -hmm. back in 2009, whatever, back then. Mm -hmm. And that was fun. That, that really caught my interest because it's just like, oh, JavaScript is so fast. Oh, it's great. And everybody calling it a fad also kind of led me to it a little bit. It's just like, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to learn this and have fun with it for now. Yeah. And then it just kind of became the thing that everybody uses now. And then, like, from, from like, you know, crappy jQuery that I would write on the front end of the stuff to Node.js back to the front end using AngularJS, then from there, just kind of, like, just all front end stuff. And that's where it went. But, like, if... But if if uh if you joined a project tomorrow and it was built on Python, like how much would you care? I like Python. Python's one of the ones that I do like that I never well, used. But pick um, one that you've never used. Like closure, something like that. Okay, yeah. And what was the question? Well like would would you care? Does it matter to you? Would you be upset? Would you be excited? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, well do I get do I get time to learn it? Like when's the deadlines? It it all depends on that kind of stuff because Say say they're just like, all right, you're gonna learn or you're gonna be put on this project that uses Cobalt. And you're like, mm -hmm. well, nobody's used Cobalt in sixty years. What are you talking about? And it's like, no, no, we're doing it. You're doing it. The deadline's in two months. Good luck. And you're like, there's no way I'm gonna learn Cobalt, an ancient language, in two months and be successful in this project. Like, like that's just not a thing. Yeah. So like as and I mean, of course that's an extreme. But, you know, that that's how those things sound to me. And somebody's just like, oh, well, it's going to be a Drupal project and it's going to be using this, that and the other. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that all sounds horrible. But 
I do like my salary, so okay. <laughs> yeah, but you're conflating two things. So there's a difference between not knowing a language and knowing but not liking a language. So like I totally accept that if you're trying to learn a thing for the first time, then there's going to be a ramp-up period. But I think like a language that you like versus a language that you hate, if you know them both decently, like, you know, sufficiently well, then it's going to take you about the same amount of time to build a feature in either one. No, it, it would take me longer to build a PHP feature right now than it would JavaScript, hands down. Is that because you don't know it as well? I mean, PHP is PHP, right? But I, I it just would. I, I think it would. I, I think I don't even have to, like, I think JavaScript has become more of like a, a second language, like to English type of thing versus PHP is just like another language that I know. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I, I could I could read it. I can I can like hear it and I could even write some of it. But I don't know about, you know, meeting a deadline and estimating my work and all of that stuff with it. What's that? Uh, what's that Creed line from the office? And they're talking like he's he's talking about about pirate code. It's like pirate code. He wants to meet. <laughs> and then Pam's like, everybody's oh, yeah. got pirate Parlay. code. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like I can understand it, but I can't speak it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I love that one. All right, you ready to you ready to jump into therapy mode? Is this not been therapy? I mean, we kind of started off in therapy, didn't we? No, it's about to get way more into therapy. All right. Oh man, I cannot stop rubbing my stupid eyes. This is not therapy time, but the allergies. I I I've never had itchy eyeball. Like I just want to rip my eyeballs out. I can't. It's driving me crazy. You ever get that? I used to get real bad when I was younger. Oh, it's the worst. All right. Uh, so here's the deal. We talked about imposter syndrome. I uh, I don't have imposter syndrome. I realize this. It's the you are an imposter. It's the it's the exact opposite. So if imposter syndrome is uh, feeling like you're an imposter, and that eventually every like in in thinking everyone thinks that I know what I'm doing, but I don't, and eventually I'm gonna they're gonna figure me out. I actually have the exact opposite. So for me, it's that I think that I do know what I'm doing, but I'm worried everyone else thinks that I don't already. You with me so far? Yeah, you, I guess, sure. Okay, so uh, so I started reading, what's the name of this book? I started reading, it is called How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic and Rise Above Social Anxiety. And I realized that I'm just describing social anxiety. I just, I have social anxiety and I keep thinking, I keep like making up other weird names for it and that's totally what it is. You're so, so, you're so socially anxious that... You start doubting your skills that you're just like turning no, into imposter syndrome. I think I know I'm not anxiety. I'm not doubting my skills. I'm doubting what other people think of my skills. Like in my head, I'm like, man, I'm I, I know exactly what I'm doing. But then like on calls and stuff, I'll get nervous and say something stupid. And then that's all I can think about for like the next day of like, oh, they, they, they think I'm an idiot because I said this stupid thing, even though I'm not an idiot because I know what I'm doing. Um, I mean, you can be an idiot and know what you're doing. Okay, I'm not gonna go into that right now because that just opens up a whole other can of worms. But uh, but apparently there's a such thing as a socially anxious extrovert, according to this book. So um, I'm gonna uh, this is a snippet I have right here. I'm gonna read it. Uh, you may also be a socially anxious extrovert. This is exquisitely torturous. Imagine getting your energy from people while simultaneously simultaneously being afraid of them. For example, you may really want to go to the bar with your coworkers, but worry they don't want you there. Or you may love parties but obsess about saying something stupid. You may feel pulled to the microphone but be petrified by the crowd. You may get psyched for weekend plans with friends but get overwhelmed and cancel in the last minute, leaving you up with a reputation for being flakier than a croissant. Uh, and then, yeah, so to top it all off, while the introvert finds time alone refreshing, the extrovert finds it draining. So I read that and I was just like, that is me. That is exactly me. And maybe not that extreme. Like, I'm not going to cancel weekend plans. But I totally get energized by being around other people but am tortured by like wondering what they're going to think of me and we've talked about this with the um with the company uh all like the in-person get-togethers before covid how it's just, yeah. like everybody's in groups and it's like i don't know who to talk to and stuff that's the exact situation just like i want to i, I want to be in these conversations but i don't i don't want to like walk up there and be the guy that says something stupid and risk it and stuff so the, this book's got me pegged man and i'm pretty excited about it i'm i'm like I'm just through the part where they explain how you feel and they explain exactly how I feel and I haven't yet gotten to the part where they fix everything. So I'm very hopeful that uh, all of the solutions to all of my life's problems are 
coming, uh, coming well, up. the next few chapters are just like you're fucked sorry <laughs> i guess live with it <laughs> yeah so i feel uh i feel despite the despite the fact that what i just read was seems super negative i'm actually really excited right now it's not yeah, impossible but, I, mean, I think there's social anxiety for everyone though is there to some extent oh yeah By the book the way it was described there the book talks about that too this is like only everybody has some amount of social anxiety and the only person people that don't are like the one percent who are actually psychopaths you know to not care at all what other people think about you would make you a, a psychopath would that be a sociopath maybe a sociopath yeah i think that was right one of those one of the paths um but it's just like the it's the spectrum you know and it mm-hmm. talks a lot about uh post-event processing which i really so i have an example of this uh eh, did i talk i might have talked about this I might talk about this. I can't remember. Stop me if I did. Um, on a call like a few weeks ago, it was a bunch of people, you know, like 10 plus people. And Stop. Um, I talked about it. <laughs> no, but go ahead. Continue. Uh, somebody asked a question and I, I answered first with my opinion. And then somebody answered directly behind me. And it was like, I, I actually feel the opposite and had this really strong re- like rationale for it, you know. And it, in my mind, it was like, oh, they just made me look like an idiot. And that was like all I could think about from that. Call. Even though the rest of the call went perfectly. Uh, that one thing was like all that stuck out and so in my head the call was like a total failure and I just looked like a moron and the book talks about that it talks about post-event processing which is just like you obsess about things after they're over and you zero in on like the one part that wasn't perfect um yeah that's me man it's got me it's got me pegged I I do that all the time (laughs) that yeah just obsessing over like the one thing I could have changed yeah god god damn it yeah it sucks it sucks so bad well it's funny too because I'm not that way with my code. Like, I'm totally fine like sending my code to QA if like there's like oh well, maybe that'll bug out. Yeah, they'll they'll tell me. <laughs> like I'll I'll still do that once in a while, which is fine. But like mm-hmm. if I have a conversation with someone and I fuck up a word or like these podcasts, what I said, what was it? I I said one word instead of another, and then later I would like brought it up in chat with you later it's like, fuck i said this instead of this <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, yeah, yeah i mean I, I do that i'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like fuck okay you can go back to sleep <laughs> like I, I just have to like have that moment do you do you obsess about things beforehand or is it only after uh it depends on what it is and like who who it's with and stuff like um beforehand is usually if i know the people there because then I know the players, and then I can like start creating the stories before I even get there, uh-huh. and that will that will really fuck me up. Um, but yeah, that uh, a lot of times I'll, especially when I don't know the people, I try not to try not to presume anything. It's like I'm just going to show up, and then we're going to greet each other, and then it's going to go from there. Yeah, I I think I'm actually kind of the opposite. I think I I obsess about things beforehand when I don't know the people. Like if I'm like giving a a talk to an audience that i don't know then i would i would flip out about that all the way beforehand but then afterwards i'd be fine even if it went kind of badly but when it's people that i do know and i know that i'm gonna have to like continue a conversation or a relationship with them after the fact then i'm not so stressed about it going up to it but i'm super i super zero in on like the parts that didn't go well afterwards yeah it's interesting the, the way you said that so that that reminds me of when i did the comedy showcase thing um yeah and well, I guess I kind of have to explain because people don't know my life. Um, so last year, 2019, uh, I decided to do like this comedy writing class with my sister. And then it was like several weeks long. And at the end of it, we did like a comedy showcase where we did five minutes of stand up comedy each. Um, and there's like a whole class. There's like 15 people or whatever. Pretty cool. Pretty fun. Great experience. Uh, scared shitless the entire time I was doing it. But anxiety for sure hit me on that one. Um, and thinking back at that experience, I was like, so just like on fire on the inside with like excitement and anxiety and just yeah. all the feelings beforehand, because like we got there early, we, we were told to get there early and um, it wasn't like a regular show or event. It was just supposed to be friends and family only. And we had like certain limits that we could bring for people and stuff like that. But what ended up happening was... Uh, one of the people or a few of the people in that class knew a fuck ton of people in Portland. And it like, they literally had to turn people away. They closed the towns over 400 people for like 
my first time on stage talking to to people and then I'm talking about like comedy. It's, it, it was just really a huge thing. But the anxiety before that, I couldn't stay in one room and I couldn't sit and I couldn't like finish a drink, like nothing. I, I, I was just like, uh-huh. I, everything I was doing, I just would like get all worked up and I'd have to leave or move or do something else. And then I had like coworkers coming and family coming, and it was just yeah, it was all kinds of stuff. Oh, man, yeah, I would I would freak out. Public, yeah, public speaking is like I I uh, I fully. So we were talking a little while back about maybe last week about my my goals and how I'm not really like super into my next twelve week goals. This has got to yeah. be it. This got to be my twelve week my twelve week goals. We got to be like figure out the social anxiety thing and find steps forward. Um, but in in Open that mics. path. Yeah, I was gonna say in that path, uh, the like talks to an audience is got to be the last thing because that is the most terrifying thing in the world for me, for sure. Like actually engaging with the audience and having them comment back or something, or no anything like in public speaking in general to to oh, an okay. audience, just talking uh, to a crowd. And but definitely, uh, com- comedy would be the scariest of all though because like I could I could give a talk and you know the worst it could really be is maybe boring or something um or or slightly awkward but if i'm like telling jokes and nobody's laughing then that's like another level of horror for me well like i mean i don't know if you saw the link but if even if you go back and watch it again like it, it took me weeks to watch it back like weeks weeks i, I even shared it to other people uh-huh. and i never watched it back like i i just couldn't um because then i get too much anxiety just watching it because i'm just like oh you're fucking nervous as shit on stage and like the way i'm talking and then pacing and my hand like i was just like oh man you were just a fucking mess and like i think i think i cut or i burned through it so quickly that uh, i was done in like 4 minutes uh-huh. so like i just talked super fast and everything but yeah I, that i would do it again so even after even after that experience i still went back and did open mics until covid started so like there, that that was like at the end of 2019, like in November, and then like December, January, February, I was doing open mics, and then COVID hit, and it's like, all right, well, that's done. Mm-hmm. You gonna go back to it? I, I don't know. Uh, like, well, the whole point, the whole point for me to do that was to get up on stage in front of people and to have that experience, and like, sure, you can do it over Zoom and stuff like that, or digitally. And now they're starting to do like you know open parks and drive-thrus and stuff like that but that's cool i don't i don't know like i i'd rather i'd rather get serious about writing comedy again more than Mm -hmm. like doing stand-up itself unless i did have some kind of inkling to present on stage more consistently or something okay all right so like if if covid disappeared tomorrow and open mic suddenly started back up you wouldn't you wouldn't sign up for him uh, not right away, at least. I I yeah. I would have to, if anything, I'd have to like rehash my old material and stuff, and like bring up that. But I mean, even that could be kind of fun for an open mic. Just have like a couple one liners to see what people laugh at, and then go back and then expand on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. All right. Uh, yeah, I think I think uh, we line up pretty closely. And the thing that was the thing that you know, like going back to all the every every episode, it seems like we talk about my need to be praised or liked or whatever however we word it each week um and i think that that's this worshipped like, yeah my need to be worshipped is because if i'm being worshipped then i can at least be relatively sure that people don't think that i'm an idiot you know and that's i think that's where that stems so from. you only know you're not an idiot if somebody worships you yeah exactly because otherwise i obsess wondering what people are thinking so what do you do on a day-to-day ain't nobody you live with worship you well, that was so it's like the people that I'm really close with, I don't I don't worry about it. You know, like you're just like I know I'm in I yeah. I'm in their prayers. I'm my, good. My immediate family and like you, I'm good. That's that's pretty much it though. Me? Everybody else. Yeah, because you and I have reached that point where even if you did hate me, then I wouldn't really give a crap because we're just we're cool like that, but I that's pretty True. much it. Like and we just anybody... need to stop talking <laughs> then we never see each other again. <laughs> It'd be like when Coach moved to uh, to New York and New Orleans, he was just gone. Exactly. And then they go to New York and don't even tell him that, that he's there. Yeah, and he just pops up. He's like, what the crap? You didn't call me. I just saw that episode <laughs> like yesterday. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's it. Like, it's like my my immediate family, like my very close family, and then like you and maybe one or two other, maybe like Eric or something like that. Everybody else, I'm always, that's always in the back of my head. It's exhausting, man. I hate you. And uh, what I've learned growing up is that fuck them. 
Hate me all you want. I don't give a fuck. Man, I tried. You know, I even wrote a blog post. Let me dig up this blog post because I was so proud of myself when I wrote it. You were like energized. You're like, yeah, I'm going to put this out in the world and then it's going to become a thing. Manifest destiny. I wrote the, yeah, (laughs) for real. I wrote this after I got some tough feedback and I was just like trying to hype myself up. And all right, I'm just going to read this thing. So bear with me. It's not very long. Uh, It's called Who Cares If You're Liked? Dear future critter, past critter here, if you're reading this, you're worried someone doesn't like you. Maybe you gave them tough feedback. Maybe you changed something that upset them, whatever it is. Here's the thing. Who freaking cares? Being liked is overrated and is not one of your values. Growth and joy, buddy. That's it. Chances are there's growth in whatever you're doing that's upsetting people. And as for joy, detach it from the emotions of others. Your joy is yours, not someone else's, you idiot. I know what you're going to say, but being liked is useful. It makes things easier to get done. (laughs) Boo flipping who? You know what makes it hard to get things done? I'll tell you. Not doing things at all because you're scared people won't like them. Suck it up, buttercup. Being liked is a trap, so put on your big boy britches and muster up the courage to be disliked. The history books will see what you accomplished, even if the daily news thinks you're a tool. Love and smooches, past critter. Oh, man. I'm I'm offended on past critter's behalf. <laughs> I mean, it's still, honestly, that, that kind of worked at the time. I still like, get a little hyped up when I when I read that, but yeah, it didn't, didn't really do the trick. Um... Yeah, I don't know. It's it, the thing about the the thing that I like about the book is that it's it's talking about how social anxiety is very vague and not rooted in specifics or reality. So it's sort of like you know, I I messed up that thing, therefore everyone won't like me, or everyone will yeah. think I'm stupid. So it's like okay, well actually think about specifically who specifically would think that. Okay, well it's these three people. Uh, what would be what would actually happen if they did think that, and what are the chances that they actually do think that? You know, despite the fact that you've worked with them for four months and you said one stupid thing, you know, it just like forces you to ground yourself. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I think it. I think it might might be good for me. You know, it it feels weird to to even be having this conversation with you in a sense because like I don't know, just when I was younger, I just didn't give a fuck. Like the the friends that like Richard and you know Jordan, my friends that I've had for long time my basically with lifelong friends they they stuck it out because they reached out when i gave up right and that that's kind of like the big thing with me is i'll just peace out i'll 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 irish exit from anything anywhere i don't i don't care i have no real attachment to it like it, it's all right see ya uh, so like if if like i go to a party and I'm just like oh a bunch of people ate me that's fine i just won't go there anymore see ya or like my favorite one was in Portland when I was in the startup scene. We'd go to like these happy hours and stuff and like people just get in each other's faces and whatever. And they're all egocentric and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But um, there's one little spat that happened where I didn't I, I didn't appreciate how somebody was talking to some of the ladies we're hanging out with. And then I ended up punching him in the stomach because he wouldn't shut the fuck up and he started crying in front of like everybody <laughs> yeah. and then it like the night ended right that ruined it and you punch someone in the stomach and a room full of people it that's ends pretty tonight. much over um, yeah basically right yeah and like people were just like oh you can't do that man yeah i know i know but you really can't do that it's just like no nah, it's okay that, that, that's on me whatever that's fine but then the next day somebody that uh i had talked to previously and at that party that saw me like saw me standing outside of school because it's going to school downtown portland is when i spoke cigarettes and they're walking by with one of their friends or something and like our eyes locked. And then she immediately like looked away and then drug the person that she was walking with at a super quick pace past me. Like I was going to attack or something. It was just like, uh-huh. okay, whatever. I, I hit him because of what he said to you. Oh, all right, whatever. I don't care. Bye. All right. See ya. Going back to school. Do you? All right. Well, you hear about how about this though? Do you uh, do you dance at weddings or like parties? I can't dance at weddings. Do you feel weird about it, or is it just like you know I'm fine with it? I felt weird about it at my sister's wedding just because of the scene and stuff. I don't know. It was weird, but like I wanted to dance more at Jordan's wedding way back when, but then something else happened that pulled me away from it, which really sucked. So like I. There's You're fine just with it. a ton of yeah. It's like okay, what somebody's gonna laugh at me for dancing? All right. What about I'm uh, not nowhere on my resume does it say you know Juilliard School of Arts <laughs> dancing or anything? So 
fuck you and your face. Who cares? What about if your if your neighbor was you know like I don't know make, making too much noise when it was you're trying to sleep or something? Would you would you would be okay? Tell going them to shut them the fuck up. up. You'd be that would, would be fine I, for you. I would yell at them to shut the fuck up first, and then if it continued, I'd walk over and be like, "You need to shut the fuck up, dude." It, when I lived in an apartment, I had a neighbor that had a dog that wouldn't shut the fuck up, and I, I woke him. I woke up the odor every night until he stopped <laughs> that dog from barking because the owner somehow slept through it every time. Uh-huh. I was like, "I can't fucking do this. I can't fucking do this. I can't fucking do this." I just would knock on his door every night until he woke up. Just knock, 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 <laughs> knock, 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 knock. That's the crap that I can never handle. Like my neighbors being too loud, it would have to be really, really bad, like nightmarishly bad for me to feel comfortable going over there and knocking on his door and wake him up. This is my life, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's dancing it, it's at one weddings. Of those things. Oh, dancing at weddings. I don't, I, I don't dance. I haven't been to too many weddings. I've only been to like one memorial service. Like I, I don't do those things very much. Like I'm not. It's not in my repertoire. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't really have much belief in weddings, really. Do I, you I, have like? Do you have not every wedding? In every wedding what? I've gone to, every wedding I've gone to has ended. Wait, no, minus my grandmothers and grandfathers. But every other wedding that I've ever attended has ended. You mean the marriage has ended? Yeah. Okay. I would hope the wedding ends. <laughs> Otherwise, right? Yeah. The <laughs> wedding, Baron. <laughs> we at least uh, need to get to the freaking celebration afterwards. Yeah. True. 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 Yeah. You didn't come to our wedding. We're still going. Yeah. That's. Oh man, that would have been a wreck had I gone to your wedding. Because how old were you when you got married? Uh, let's see. Two thousand nine. I would have been twenty-three. Oh yeah. 20, yeah. That would have been. Almost that would have been at the, the the peak worst that I probably was. That was like just as I was starting my college, like Wait. just getting into programming programs and stuff. You were a naughty bird. You're a bad boy. Yeah. Well, I mean, prior to that, didn't value education or <laughs> empathy or social skills or anything like that. So yeah, I, I would say you probably would have punched somebody in the stomach at our wedding. No, I love your family. Well, night. I I love your mom, but uh, Nancy's family is cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah, my mom's cool, and Nancy's family's people. cool. Yeah, I well, I lucked into a pretty pretty cool family. I feel bad for the people who like get married and then they're stuck with horrible uh, in laws. Like that's never been my experience, but that would that would really suck. <laughs> I I never understood that either. Like when I had girlfriends and I had to meet their parents, and the dad didn't hate me, I would just tell him fuck himself. Like I don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, man, dude, uh, we're, we're this is gonna be a tangent. Go back and skip it too. Uh, okay, but I first moved to the mainland back when I was like nineteen. Um, I started dating this chick down in Puyallup, Washington, and like her dad started out as um, I and the story is leading to a dinner where I met their family to like get approval for dating their daughter and all that bullshit. Even though we had already been dating for several months, um, but at like at the at the dinner table, he was talking about how he started off as a janitor at Boeing, and then he like used that to get his foot in the door. Then went to college, then became some kind of like aerospace engineer or or something of the like. It, it like somewhere in that thing, and so mm-hmm. like he built his own success and all the other stuff. And I'm sitting there as a fucking kid, essentially that dropped out of high school, hasn't done anything yet with his life, fucking just. Just here. I'm just, I'm still alive somehow. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And he was just, I mean, I just remember him laying into me and just like, you're never going to amount to anything. And just like, okay. Yeah, what I don't give a shit. Like, I'm just here to fuck your daughter. What are you, why, why do you think I give a shit about my career at the moment? Like, did you do something I'm, to I'm set him of, off? Or like, what, what, how did that start? No, no. Uh, well, at the time, I was still applying for jobs. Like, I, I was still looking for work uh-huh. um, and like what's funny too is like we had that conversation and two weeks later i got hired at swedish medical center and then it it still wasn't enough and then it caused more issues and then we ended up breaking up but still like like getting put down by by him i was just like who the fuck are you white man <laughs> like <laughs> it, 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 it i mean it seriously got to that point where i was just like what the fuck is your problem like I, I came over here to meet you guys so that this would be okay, but you're just giving me shit for not having a job because I just moved from 
a fucking island to the mainland and all, like I just kind of was going through all the stuff and then he was just like you're just lazy <laughs> like fucking hit you oh, if you man. say that again you were dating his baby man he's trying to protect his little girl ah whatever <laughs> he's like who is this fool coming in here this is I need a I need this only you know only Yale grads are good enough for my baby yeah fuck he ain't no Yale grad <laughs> That's how his dads are, man. I'm glad I don't have a daughter because of that. I don't know how that okay. would handle having the boyfriend I'm, over. He he's just in that list of pile of douchebags that I proved wrong and just sit on them now. They're they're nothings to me. Actually, that guy's probably dead now. Thankfully, I bet he thinks back on you as like the 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 person that he proved wrong. How? Because you because he didn't want you to date his daughter, and now you're not dating anymore. Oh, yeah, but I mean, not dating his daughter was dodging a bullet for, for real, for real. <laughs> Is there another story there? Uh, I mean, she when we broke up, she ended up dating some idiot that just used her for money and stuff. And then uh, he left her and then she ended up with some other dude and then got pregnant and married immediately by the time she was 20. And then that's it. That's That's her story. She's still living that life. She's still married to that same guy? Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked in like the past five to ten years or anything like that. So maybe they're in love. I don't. I don't really keep tabs. That's fine. Yeah. If if that is what you want to do in life, you just want to be a mother, loving mother, great mother, whatever. Do it. Do it hard. But <laughs> please don't like, say only, mother right? and that... don't say mother and do it hard in the same sentence. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like, do whatever the hell makes you happy. I I don't care. Even if I said something about it, what what does my opinion matter? I'm I'm nobody to that person and what they love to do. So like, why should anything I say affect it? But sadly, it's just how it goes. It's hard to do. It makes you happy if you don't know what makes you happy. I've been realizing that my my two core values of growth and joy are often at odds, and I have to pick one or the other. Example. Uh, I mean, this job, like, this job's not bringing me joy, but it's bringing me growth. I was happier mm. at my old job. Uh, were you just more comfortable at your old job, though? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I knew all the people. It was, you know, it was easy. Days were low stress, and I was mostly just, like, joking around and getting stuff done and being happy. Um, but there wasn't any growth. But there was also no joy in that. Otherwise, you may have been so depressed with the comparison to yourself five years ago. Mm, I think that's, I think it depends. I think joy is a big thing. I think that you can have joy without growth and you can have joy, like maybe, maybe more growth would have added to my joy, but my level of joy was still higher before than after. Um, I'm still hoping that that'll improve though. I think, I think that, you know, maybe in like another four months, it'll, it'll be close because I'll be that much more comfortable. That's the How thing long have you been there? Four months, like almost exactly. And that's the thing with freaking social anxiety. That's an, like I've realized that coming to this company just spurred it, you know, because there's all these new people that don't already have some, I don't already have some social capital with and I'm trying to like prove myself to. Um, so yeah, my comfort levels just dive bombed and I never realized like how much my joy depends on that. So why didn't, why didn't you just open up with a joke when you got hired? With my math, my chicken joke? Sure. Any dumb joke to break the ice, because apparently that's what we're doing now. I think you should uh, you should write down the joke that got you fired, and I'll, I'll make sure to open with that one on the next call and see what happens. It's on Netflix. Just go watch it. <laughs> on your Netflix special? Hey, before we drop, I Not just want to say... I just want to say we're that... We're dropping, or are we ending? We are ending. Before we end, uh, I want to say that I got a running watch, and it's the coolest You've thing ever. you a running watch forever. Not that Didn't you stupid. have, like, the freaking... Forerunner or whatever? No, now that's what I just got. I I got a Forerunner, but I used to have a Fossil Sport, which is horrible. Oh, this I thought you like, ended up getting the Forerunner like a while ago. No, I talked about it for forever, but I finally I finally oh, okay. got it, and it's so cool, man. I programmed the intervals workout, and it's just like it tells you what to do. It's like now run for eight hundred meters at this pace, and it tells you when you're going too slow or whatever, and then it tells you stop. It just like bosses you around the whole run, and you just follow orders, and then get a good workout in. What ended up happening with me um, and, and my running watch that did that too was that my wrist got desensitized to the vibrations. Mm, you didn't feel it anymore. So like, 
Yeah, so like especially on the longer runs and like, you know, sweat and all that other stuff. So it's not really like as fixated or fixed on your wrist as as when you started. So that it, it's like I would always just have to end up just checking my, my watch every yeah. like few minutes or whatever. Well, it's better than checking my phone on my armband. I'm like lifting my arm all the way up when I'm running and can't even see the yeah. screen because the sun's glaring on it and stuff. Well, I mean, you know that I, I got the watch specifically because I didn't want to carry the phone with me. Yeah, I still have to carry my phone. I got to figure that out. Maybe I'll go back to the fanny pack instead of the armband. Fanny pack's not a terrible idea. Fanny packs are cool, man, for, for running. <laughs> I was thinking about using a fanny pack and just slinging over my shoulder for like all the dog shit that I have to carry. Like, Oh, yeah? All the doggy bags, dog treats, and all that stuff. Like when I go for walks into the park and stuff. That's basically what a sling bag, a sling, a sling bag, a sling bag is. It's just fanny you pack that you. Twice. But you gotta, you gotta do it like diagonal, you know. Right. Yeah. Instead of just straight down, because diagonal looks cool. Yeah. Drug dealer style. Yeah. <laughs> or like hiker, but you know, either way. It's made popular by drug dealers, but okay. Diagonal bags are made popular. Sling bags are made popular. By uh, diagonal, diagonal fanny pack, like wearing the fanny pack across your shoulder diagonally. I'm gonna need a citation. I don't believe that for a second. I think it's just the crowds sure. you hang out with. <laughs> Why not? I don't hang out with crowds. You know that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Good point. Me and my crowds down in Eugene. Me and my pup. <laughs> All right. What, I'm done what? with you. I'm done with you, and I'm leaving. Um, I've already left, so well, miss goodbye. You. Um, leave feedback, people, or something. Oh, yeah. Right, hey, let's see if anybody wrote us a... Oh, of course they wouldn't have written us a review because I haven't posted the last not. feedback. Yeah, the last you podcast didn't post... Where I, where I asked for reviews. <laughs> you idiot. We have let's to keep see. all this for our listeners that listen to the whole thing. I wonder if there's any, uh, any podcast... Did you post it at all? No, I haven't even edited it yet. What happened to you? I've just been There's crippled just by so much promise guy. with you. <laughs> Who says? Yeah, still only one rating, but it's five stars. <sighs> There's so much promise with you, and now just don't know. It's still there. It's just buried under some peanut butter and a supreme <laughs> lack of confidence. All right, bye, All right. bye.